Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. It's good to see you all on this third episode of the McCraw Podcast. Um, if you would do us a favor really quick, go ahead and like this, comment below, whatever you want to do, share this podcast, um, because again, we're trying to build a community and get our name out. But today is a very special uh, continuation of the Passover and today, I guess, uh, AJ, we're talking about um, unleavened bread. And what I like to, unleavened bread to me is, I, it just reminds me of like crackers. Um, I, I don't understand exactly why this is such a big deal, but hopefully you're going to teach us and we're going to learn through this um, unleavened bread today because um, they had to eat this. Yeah. And um, it seems to me like we would be, in our culture, we do leavened bread. Yeah. And um, that sounds a lot better with some butter on it. And mm. Mm. But we're talking about unleavened bread, crackers, and the continuation of the Passover. So, AJ, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. That's You're, uh, you're hitting on it, man. This, this bread was not good. It's not. It's, it's not, not good. good. Yeah, it's not supposed to be good. I don't. Uh, well, we're going to learn about it today. So if you're, new, if you're in the same boat as me. Buckle up, lean in, and let's learn about unleavened bread. That's right. Only the Bible could make bread cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, hopefully, um, this this particular part of Passover will be extremely enlightening because, um, yeah, this is, this is going to change when you do communion and you're eating those bland wafers. And it's really, really going to bring a lot to that. So I'm going to recap, um, just not very, I'm not gonna take a long time here, but if, if those are listening, if you recall the last episode, we, uh, mentioned that there were seven feasts of Israel and feast doesn't mean they were sitting around eating all day. Uh, they were, these were festivals, a uh, better word for feast is a festival and the Israelites would come together or Mikra during these seven festivals. There was three at the beginning of the year and the the title of it would be Passover um, then there was uh, Shavuot or Pentecost and then they would close out the year with tabernacle so we're obviously on Passover and it's like a little nesting doll inside of Passover are two other um, feast unleavened bread and then first fruits all three of these Passover unleavened bread and first fruits they all together make the big festival of uh, Passover and as we mentioned in the last one Jesus was crucified on the 14th of the Hebrew month Nisan which is March April and that would close out um, the actual Passover not the the festival as a whole but that particular portion of the Passover where they you know they were delivered by the blood of the lamb and we looked at that movie in the last podcast episode and in this one we're going to take a look at the second feast that was part of passover which is unleavened bread so let's read a passage from leviticus 23 4 through 8 it says these are the appointed times of the lord holy convocations that's the mikra right there it's the rehearsal this is the time where you're going to come and watch a, an episode so this is a holy episode, a holy rehearsal, which you shall proclaim at the times appointed for them. The first in the first month 
on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover, which we explored in the last episode. But then on the next day, on the 15th day of the same month, there is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. This is a special mikrah. You shall not do any laborious work, but for seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. So after the Passover lamb would be killed and the blood applied on the 14th, we mentioned 6 p.m. begins the next day um, on the Jewish calendar. At 6 p.m., the 15th would begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it would last from the 15th, and it would go till the 21st of the Hebrew month Nisan, which, as we mentioned, is the month of March, April on our calendar. Now, you can see from the text that the first and the last days of this feast, the 15th and the 21st, are considered high Sabbath days. So high Sabbath days are actual Sabbaths where you do no work. This would be there Saturday. On these days, you cease from all your labors. You spend time meditating on God, and you think about his greatness and his goodness. So the question is, why is this episode in the big movie? What in the world does unleavened bread have to, to do with anything? Why do we have to remember and mikra, rehearse every year unleavened bread? That seems like an odd thing, right? Yeah, why are we remembering crackers? Right, right. What, what does this matter? It, this is obviously this... a big deal because, you know, God told him, remember this. Like, do this every year. Make sure yeah. for a week you don't eat any bread with leaven in it. Wow. So obviously, if God says it, it's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. So it it demands that we dig, and that's just what I've been doing. And it's, bro, just like before we get into this, right? I was sitting at lunch this afternoon with my wife and kids, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, grande ojos, big old eyes. And I'm looking at her, and I'm like, babe. And she's like, what? What have you studied? I said, the Bible. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and we talked about this, and she got. Uh, she didn't even have to listen to the episode. She got it at lunch, and <laughs> we sat there, and tears welled up in my eyes. And she looked at me, and she was like, "That's beautiful." So, yeah. buckle up because this. I mean, who would have thought unleavened bread would be so stunning? But here we go. Let's get into. It. And, and I want to say something too. A lot of our comments on YouTube and people direct messaging us on our social media pages. That you said the word beautiful. That's been the common theme over the past two episodes. People have reached out and said, "Man, um, they've become emotional sometimes watching or listening to this podcast, and they didn't realize how beautiful the Bible is." Um, and so that so you said that word beautiful, and it just clicked because that's been the common thread of some of our listeners and viewers saying, "Man, the Bible is beautiful." Yeah, yeah, I'm, it's been perfectly written. That makes me happy. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. That's so. If you're listening and it just, man, you have to pause and you know smile or weep. Just go ahead and do it. That's okay. Yeah. I'm. That might happen to me because this this is amazing. So, <laughs> for real, I'm gonna set up. You know, again, I'm gonna build the narrative and uh, stop me. You know, whenever you feel so led to do so. Okay. But if you go back and watch the episode of Exodus or the the grand movie of Exodus. 
this would be the date that God delivered the Hebrew people from Egypt. That, that unleavened bread dates back to that moment. He brought them out with such haste that they didn't have time to bake their bread, which normally it would include leaven. So Moses actually reminds them of this. This isn't just, you know, conjecture. This is in the text. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. It tells us why that they should mikrah this, why they have to remember this unleavened bread. And Moses is, you know, he's getting ready to bring them into the promised land, and he's doing his, his last sermon, and he's telling them never forget. And he's reminding them of this, this moment. And it says, you shall not eat unleavened, or you shall not eat leavened bread with it for seven days. You shall eat unleavened bread with it, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in a hurry, so that you will remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. For seven days no leaven shall be seen with you in your entire territory, and none of the meat which you sacrifice on the evening of the first day shall be left overnight until the morning. He says right here, the reason why we're making this a mikra, we're rehearsing this, is this is to remember that we don't want any time wasters in the house. Because... Yeah. God was going to call us out at any moment. And if we would have put leaven in that bread, man, we could have missed the Exodus waiting on the superfluous rising of the bread, which, you know, it was the bread of affliction. So over the years, um, after this, this monumental moment, the leaven would become a symbol of the Israelites bondage in the Egyptian world system. And the Egyptian world system is contrary to the kingdom that God was getting ready to establish in the wilderness through his people. Everything about the nation of Israel dwelling as a people group in the wilderness was so different than what happened in Egypt. We'll have an entire discussion on that movie at some point in the future about God's kingdom versus the world kingdom. But yeah. the big deal was the Israelites are different. They are not like the uh, Egyptians. And that leaven became a symbol of that. The unleavened bread would symbolize putting off the old life as they made their exodus out of Egypt. So this, fest of, uh, this feast of unleavened bread would be a memorial of their separation from Egypt unto God. Yeah. To commemorate this, they would eat no leavened bread at Passover for the next seven days. This was to remember we are we are not puffed up with the leaven in the world system that Egypt had. We are a kingdom now. We are under God. We are different. We have separated from them or God separated us by the blood of the Lamb from the Egyptian world system and brought us into his kingdom. And he gave us a constitution through the Ten Commandments and he became our king. We became his priests this is a commemorative moment and the leaven symbolized we don't keep leaven in our lives we're not egypt so exodus 13 um three and then seven and eight i'm going to read that and this will be last uh, scripture from the first testament for a little bit and we'll dig into what unleavened bread turned into over the centuries so 13, what? verse 3. Okay. And then I'm going to read 7 and 8. It said, Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate this day, 
That's a big deal. God told him, make this a monumental day. Yeah. The day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. You, you hear it. It's that land of slavery. You're not there anymore. Yeah. Separate yourself from everything that contains the puffing up of the bread. So let's look at seven. <laughs> Eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Wow. Oh my goodness, bro. Like, gather oh, your kids man. around and tell them, you know, Dad, why are we eating this bland, disgusting bread? What? Why are we... Why can't we just have a little bit of leaven, son? Why are we eating crackers? Yeah, Dad? why are we doing this? What's the big get, deal? What's the, get what's, the big why are we bread obsessing over bread, son? Yeah, we remove time wasters. We remove the things that would puff us up. We remove the leaven from the lump. None of that stays in our lives. For God separated us from slavery and brought us into His kingdom, and we are his. Everything that reminds us of Egypt, we remove. This became wow. a monumental day. Yeah. So over um, over time, I, I want you to think right now when you're listening or watching this, I want you to think of the tradition wow. that we might call or that we do call. It's a loose tradition, albeit, but think of uh, spring cleaning. Yeah. Now, not everybody does uh, spring cleaning, but it is a pretty common thing across um, I, w I wouldn't say the world. I don't really know, but I do know within the United States, it's a common thing. But this is the time of year. It's in the spring, obviously, spring cleaning, where we declutter our houses. When you think of that, you're beginning to get into the mind of this feast and what it turned into over uh, the centuries. As they would macra this year after year and commemorate it and spend this week of time removing the leaven from the lump, think of spring cleaning. Now, this would be on the minds of the Jewish people. As they would prepare for Passover, they would go through their house removing all the leaven. They would have to go through everything. Everything in the house would be washed. It would be scrubbed. It would be clean. This included the walls. This included the ceilings, the floors, the furniture, the place where they would store their utensils, etc. They would clean everything, trying to get rid of the leaven in their house. They would, every time coming into Passover, before Passover started, they were not only preparing the lamb, but they were cleaning their houses of all this leaven. Now, wow. The house, <laughs> it was essentially baptized. It's it was clean. completely washed clean of any and all leaven. Oh, wow. Yeah, bro. They would, they would boil the cookware and water. They would take the special utensils that were separated from all the common utensils. And these utensils were used during this time of the year just to make sure they weren't contaminated with any leaven whatsoever. And they would use these special utensils during the Passover. Now, here's where it gets crazy. Once this was finished, the family would participate in a ceremony called Search for the Leaven. So uh, we, do, we do something similar to this in the spring. Um, you know, somebody might get offended by this, but we do, we search for Easter eggs. Yeah. You know, we, we hide things and we go hunting for them during the springtime of year. 
Now, this is what they would do during this time. They would take little crumbs of bread that had leaven in it, and a family member would just put it all throughout the house. And then when uh, dark would come, they would light a candle, and they would begin to search through every nook and cranny of the house looking for the hidden leaven. If they found any, they would remove it from the house. So these family members would hide this, these little crumbs all throughout the house. I've, I'm curious if this is where we got the custom. Now, I don't know this, but I was thinking about it today. It would be a fun little side trail study. I would wonder if this is where we got the hiding of the eggs. I don't, I don't know. It's just my brain wondering. But this was very much a thing where they would hide these little crumbs of leavened bread. And the head of the house would pronounce a benediction about removing all of the leaven. And then they would proceed the search for the hidden leaven. The family member would then use that candlelight to expose where the leaven was hidden. They would do it by candlelight. And wherever the light shone, that's where the leaven was. So once there was leaven found, they would be extremely careful of removing it. They would have wow. a feather. And they would take that feather and they would brush the crumbs into a special wooden spoon. They would put the crumb into a bag. And once all the leaven was found, all the crumbs... They would put the feather and the wooden spoon into that bag, and they would set it on fire and burn it. It was never to be um, re resurrected. It was, it was done away with. They would then pray and ask God to forgive the family for any hidden leaven they may have overlooked. <laughs> with the leaven removed, the family was now ready to celebrate Passover and participate in the unleavened bread. So as you can see, the purpose for this episode, not this podcast episode, but this Mikra, this particular episode in the movie, it would serve as a reminder to the people of God that they were called out of Egypt and they were separated unto God and searching for leaven that puffs up and removing it is a monumental and important task to every household. Mm -hmm. So why is this important? What is this? Why did God want to remind them of this? Well, as time went on after years and years, you know, even decades, and all of this would transpire into a rabbinical um, law, they would kind of add to this. You can kind of see how they kind of built it out, and it got more and more extravagant. Well, at some point in history, the rabbis added the rule that food could only be eaten during this feast if the food was cooked before the leavening process even began. Mm -hmm. It was determined that it took. Now, these are these. This is how particular the rabbis would get. They determined that it took 18 minutes from the time the wheat was mixed with water until the time the yeast in the wheat began to ferment. So they would remove this because it was. It took time. And remember, we're leaving in haste. That was at the bedrock of it. No time wasters in the house because at any moment, God's going to call us out of Egypt and we're going into the promised land. So put nothing in the bread that's going to take time to, re to rise. We want it to, we just want flat, bland bread. Little did they know the bland bread didn't really matter because they're going into the wilderness where they're going to get manna, you know, <laughs> heaven's bread. You know? Yeah. Oh man, God, why do we have to eat this bland bread? And God's just like, trust me. 
yeah. where I'm bringing you the bread's going to be really good. Just trust me. You don't want any time wasters in your house. Wow. Because uh, you don't want to miss the bread that's coming. So they, um, they've determined that it took 18 minutes. And this bread, it was called in Hebrew the matzah. That's the matzah bread. And it, the literal translation of matzah is, is juiceless. It's just, it's not good. It's bland. It's flat. It's, you know, I have it's a gluten not. allergy. And trust me, the bread needs the gluten, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it needs it's the gluten. Good. It's not good without the gluten. The gluten-free Oreos are yeah, amazing. Man. No, Those man, are those awesome. Oreos taste like, like actual Oreos. Yeah, it's good. those, those, those are go crazy, man. I love them. Yeah, so this this uh, food they're eating is not Louisiana good food, huh? No. Math. No, but here's the reality of it. What is bland bread when God is telling you, I'm, you're leaving Egypt today? Wow. You know, all you're thinking about, it's it's hard to focus on the blandness of the bread when you know, I'm getting delivered from bondage. Mm. You know, what this is not a tall order for God to ask of us no you know bland bread's not that bad considering he told me he's getting me out of here today yeah and they willingly did it because man we don't want to waste time the moment he calls us out we want to be ready to go right so let's get the leaven out of the bread because we're ready to leave here we're sick of the slavery we're sick of the hard brick and mortar we're tired of the whips on the back from the pharaohs. We're tired of building his kingdom. We're ready to see the kingdom God has promised us. God has not promised them any bread yet. This would be a pleasant surprise. In fact, the Hebrew word um, mana, it's, it means what is this? I mean, they were astounded. When they came outside and they saw that laying on the ground, that finest frost, they said in Hebrew, mana? What is, what is this? We've never seen anything like this. It was beautiful. Now, the matzah bread, here's where it gets crazy. The matzah bread required close supervision in order to meet the rigid requirements that the rabbinical priesthood put on it. So what's interesting is the matzah bread would, <laughs> it would be beaten. That's part of the process of making the matzah. It would be beaten. It would be hammered out real flat. And they had a special utensil. You can go and look this up online. You can look up on a Jewish encyclopedia and you can see the special utensil that they used they would um, it looks like a cowboy spur if you're not if you're trying to get a visual right now it just it looked like a little star and it was on a wheel and they would run this this spur over the matzo dough and they were piercing it they were putting hundreds of little holes in the bread this kept the bread from puffing up in the break in the baking process so putting those piercing the dough and beating it flat ensured that it stayed flat. It's this square, just flat lump of bread. There's, you know, obviously there's no leaven in it, so it doesn't rise. And by piercing it, it's keeping it, the finished product from becoming puffed up. So this mikra, this rehearsal, this movie of unleavened bread would be played out every year as they beat and they pierced this bread. All they would have to do is just look at Jesus yeah. hanging on the cross on the 15th and 
see. Well, he wasn't on the cross on the 15th, but look at him. The day before, they, they'd been preparing. They would have had bread sitting in their house, and they would have begun eating it on the 15th. And all they would have to do is look at Jesus and remember Isaiah, the prophecy that he would be beaten, he would be pierced. And all they would have to do is remember that Jesus has preached a sermon in his earthly ministry, and he has told them, I'm the bread of life. Life. That bread meant something different to them. You know, it's not like, it's not like our bread. It's, it's kind of like where our brains go to when we hear these words from Jesus in the Bible. But when they heard it, it's, they're hearing something else. They're hearing that, are you the matzah bread? And he said, yes, there's no leaven in me. There's no, oh my word. there's no world system inside of me. There's no sin in me. There's now start thinking of certain things. Jesus was saying, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've got a world system that's inside of them. That's puffing them up. Beware of that. Jesus would become our matzah bread. Remember it was called the bread of affliction. It's not, there is no flavor in it. There's no beauty in it. It's not, there's not a lot of flavor in it. That's not the point. The point is eat this bread, put no leaven in it because we're leaving here quick and we want none of the leaven. We want none of the world system of Egypt. We're not Egypt. We're going into the kingdom that God has established for us in the wilderness. Bro, if they had watched this episode, if they had meditated on the bread, all they'd have to do is the, you know, the, the Hebrew households that were beating the matzah and then piercing it with the wheel and putting all those holes in it and then baking it and then pulling it out all the while they're doing this, Jesus is on the whipping post. Is this, is this a matzah? This is the wheel. Yep. This must be like a modern day version of it. Yes. This is the wheel. They would roll over the matzah dough. So the bread, they, they called it matzah. Yeah. Yeah. This it, the was, it was flavorless. It was juiceless. Wow. Pull up. Um, if you can, I don't know if you're able to, if you can pull up a picture, M A T Z A H matzah. Is the bread. Yep. And you'll see that bread. It's got hundreds of little holes in it. It's beaten flat. It doesn't look good. It's There's no beauty nor comeliness found in it. No one will desire this. I mean, you're going to pick the leavened bread every day over the unleavened bread. Yeah, there it is. See all these little holes in them? So if you're just listening, it almost looks like a tortilla, a burnt t tortilla yep. with a bunch of holes in it. If you're watching online, then you'll see it, but uh, wow. Those holes were instrumental in the process. That wheel, it was, if you're the bread, you're going under a torture device because they would beat it so much till it was a flat, um, just a disc. The handmade version is a disc. More modern versions now are perfectly square. But then yeah. they would roll that wheel over it, and it would pierce it. And this was, like I said, to prevent it from rising up during the baking process they wanted the finished product to be flat 
if they didn't pierce it, it would get puffed up. <laughs> so, I mean, we can digest that. Obviously, Jesus being pierced, there's so many symbolism here. Exactly. Um, so, and, and, and so leavened bread being uh, the metaphor of, or, or the, the symbolic symbol of, uh, of, of the world in Egypt. And then Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the unleavened bread. I have no world in me. And they're asking the question, are you the, you said the matzah? Did they ask that question to him? They asked, are you the matzah? And they he answers, yes. What, what do you mean you're the bread? <laughs> and he would, he would tell them, you know, I am the bread of life. Oh my. The world has leaven. There's not going to be any leaven in me. There's no pharisaical system in me. There's no world system in me. There's no Egyptian. Think of the Pharisees as the new Egypt. This mm. is Egypt 5.0. This is they've gone through the beta test, and now this is the rolled out version. And the Pharisees didn't even know that they were now a world system. They didn't recognize it because they had the the outward appearance all looked well, but the, the inside, they were puffed up. They, they hadn't been pierced. They had not been crucified with Christ. They don't, they hadn't been separated from a system, but that's the most tricky because they had all the appearances of the bread, but none of the holes of the matzah bread. They were puffed up. The finished product is not what God would have baked. So let's, let's read Jesus's words out of his own mouth in John six. 32 through 35 and I'm going to bounce through three portions because he's going to drive it home pretty passionately here Jesus then said to them truly truly which Paul's this verily verily truly truly that's in um, Greek it's amen and amen it's he's already it's agreeing agreeing this is a most certain statement so most certainly translated I say to you it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world so they said to him Lord always give us this bread Jesus said to them I am the bread of life <laughs> there it the is. one who comes to me will not be hungry and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty so he's establishing this this doctrine that he is the bread. Now you can imagine this is a strange statement. And the people start murmuring about Jesus' claim of being the bread of life. And he doesn't back down. He's not he's not gonna bow to the social pressure of making a weird statement. He's going to solidify it yet again in verse forty seven through fifty one. He says and confidently, I want I want you to hear Jesus with like some chutzpah, some gumption here. Chutzpah. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down out of heaven, so that anyone may eat from it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world also is my flesh now jesus isn't only not backing down he's making it weirder <laughs> yeah 
it's one thing to say I'm the bread of life and you kind of hear that and you're like, okay, maybe he's using a figure of speech and he's speaking, you know, kind of creatively. But then when he goes on, he's like, oh, my, my flesh is the bread. And you're like, oh, no, uh, Jesus. Yeah. What's going on with this guy? That's a little weird. And let's, let's be, let's be very humble here and realize what would we have thought? Yeah, exactly. We were there, you know. Jesus hasn't died and resurrected. You know, he's obviously proven himself through miracles and all those things. So he's he's a pretty potent um, man of God here. But he's claiming to be bread and to eat his flesh and all that stuff. They start murmuring again. And then Jesus will finally say this in verses 53 through 58. He's not going to back down. He's just going to keep on pressing the point. He said to them, truly, truly. Now, this is his third truly, truly statement. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. So just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, the one who eats me, he also lives because of me. This is the bread that came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. So this this bread is eternal. This bread is very important. Yeah. And so if leaven symbolizes the world system of Egypt and that leaven symbolizes sinful society and a false or pseudo kingdom. And if Jesus claims he is the bread, then there cannot be any leaven in him. He cannot be puffed up. He is not going to be the Pharisees, but if he's going to be that bread, if he's going to become that matzah, that unappealing, non-flavor-filled bread, then buckle up. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be pierced. Because when he goes into the tomb to be baked, he won't be puffed up. (laughs) He's going to be our bread of affliction. So the same disciple who wrote this in John 6 this prophet of God, John, would later write in his epistle, he would say this in 1 John 3, verse 5. John knows what he's saying here. He's making a very pointed statement. He says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. What John is saying there as a, you know, devout, raised in Jewish culture, Hebrew boy, is there was no leaven in that bread. When he was beaten and he was pierced, he wasn't going to be puffed up. He was never going to brag about it. There was no pride in him. There's no world system in him. There's no pharisaical system. He's not just the outward. He's the inward and the outward. He is the bread. Yeah. This yeah. mikra, this movie we've been watching all our lives and it led to the end game of Jesus all of these little episodes that were leading up to this big movie John saw it and he was like Jesus was the bread 
He was bruised. He was beaten. He was pierced. That's what we do with our bread. That communion cup, it means something totally different for them when they eat that bread. I don't imagine John for the rest of his life could ever eat the communion bread ever again and not weep because John was the only one standing at the cross looking at his God, his teacher, his mentor, his elder, his friend, all of that hanging on that cross, beaten beyond recognition, beyond recognition. He watched the centurion pierce his side. And I don't believe John was ever the same. He could never eat the bread ever again without getting those mental images. But as John would also realize that when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, that light entered his house. When he got baptized, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it washed all the leaven away. There was no leaven left in him. Why? Because the one who sent the baptism had no leaven. And when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, that light went inside of him and it was looking through every nook, every cranny. It was finding all of the leaven. It was pointing it out. It was exposing all of the things that would puff up John. It was That's cleaning how we get his John. temple. It was cleaning the temple. Yes. <laughs> it's cleaning it. It was, it was just going through his body and just... Pointing this brings a whole different dimension yeah. of the Holy Ghost yeah, and the revelation of that. When you put it in this perspective, that it was going through and it was cleaning out the leaven in his body. That's right. It was The revelation that just happened in my mind is going crazy, but go ahead. Oh, dude. So why do you think Jesus didn't have a house? He said, I have nowhere to lay my head. And then he didn't buy a tomb that was a Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man. It was prophesied that he would be um, laid within a tomb that was not his own. So why did Jesus not invest in buying houses? He was a carpenter. He could build a house. Why didn't he purchase a tomb? Because Jesus knew that this world was not his. Why buy a house? He knew that he wasn't going to stay in the tomb. Why purchase one? So he pays the ultimate price, though, for me and you. This is why in the Bible it says, who will build me a house so that I might dwell in it? You and I became the house of God. That's why he didn't buy a house. That's why he didn't buy a tomb because he's going to stay there three days. There's no point in purchasing that. This world system is not his. He bought us because we are the only thing that will be eternal. And so when he, he filled us with his spirit and he moved in, that light of his spirit moved into this house and it started exposing everything. So think back about John. John was the young disciple, probably 16 years old around this point, when he says to Jesus, he's like, you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy this whole city? <laughs> that's some, you got some leaven in you, bro. No, that's not what I want. The Holy Ghost clearly started exposing all this. Because John writes an epistle and he says, if you hate your brother, you abide in darkness and your body is filled with a, such a great darkness. But if you love your brother, you are filled with light. The Holy Ghost exposed the leaven in John. It exposed his zeal to destroy a city and it started teaching him how to, to love. 
John was being pierced by the Spirit. The Spirit was piercing him, and it was separating him from a world system that hates. Don't you, don't you think it interesting that Jesus in Matthew 24, so think about all of this. It's all playing together. They would light that lamp and go through the house searching for the leaven, and they would expose it. And when they found the leaven, they would remove it. Whatever the light uh, exposed, that's what they would remove. Now think of Jesus in Matthew 24 when they're asking him about the end times. And he says, when the love of many shall wax cold. What he's referring to there is a um, one of those lamps that the wick starts growing colder and colder until there's no more light. When we get to a point where nothing is being exposed in your lives, that's when we've reached the epitome of debauchery. Then, though, the gospel shall be preached because it's at that point that the true church is going to stand out. Mm. The true church will be infinitely different than the world. While the world, while the love of many is getting colder and colder, that flame of compassion is growing dimmer. The church is going to be more and more separate. We're going to be loving even deeper. Yeah. We will have no leaven and there will be no world system within us because the Holy Ghost keeps pointing it out. That light is going through this house and it's saying, no, that's, I hear you want to make America great again, but do you want to make my kingdom great? That's, <laughs> that's, it's, it's exposing a system that is contrary. It's exposing our false motives. It's, it's, it's removing the leaven so that we don't get puffed up as, as preachers. You know, I've, I've used this example a lot. Let's, the Bible calls us the light of the world also. Now that light is obviously not an incandescent bulb. It's not an LED. It's none of those things. That light of the world would be a clay pot filled with oil and there would be a wick inside of it. And it looked like almost like a lamp. And then they would have the, um, the wick that was lit. We are not the flame. We are not the oil. His spirit is the flame. His anointing is the oil. You and I are but the wicks. We cannot get puffed up if we're really filled with the Holy Ghost because you and I are buried in the oil and hidden behind the fire. At this point, preaching. Well, hey, can you say that that real quick? Say that again. Yeah, we're wicks. We're buried in the oil and we're well, hidden behind the fire. Or neither of those are us. Yeah. Truly, truly, what is man that thou art mindful of him? We are but wicks in this whole process. Yeah. I'm buried. I should be so buried in the oil he made. I can't, you know, I understand the statement when people say, oh, man, you're so anointed or they are so anointed. He or she is so anointed. I didn't make that oil. Yeah. He did in the in Gethsemane. He was in the place of the olive press. He made that oil and he poured it out on us. <clears throat> I am the wick that's catching the oil. I didn't make that oil. He did. I am not the flame. He said that in Acts 2. That's his spirit. I'm nothing, bro. Yeah. All I am is I should be okay with, and I go back to a statement I made at the very beginning of this podcast. When God asks me to get rid of the leaven and he exposes the things in my life, man, I can I can't complain because I, I look at that and I say, what is leaven? We're leaving bondage any day now. 
Yeah. What is the leaven? What does that matter? What does it matter that I'm getting rid of this? I have no idea. I haven't, he hasn't even told me. All I can do is look back and know they got better bread in the, in the wilderness. And all I can say is, Paul said it, for these light afflictions, they cannot compare to the glory which will be revealed in us. That, that separation, whatever it is that God exposes and says to you, I don't want you doing that no more. I'll, I'll make this, I guess, relevant. I, many listening to this may know I'm not on social media, and that's not because I'm spiritual. Yeah. That's because it's very easy to get puffed up. And so I had to, the spirit had to go into my house and expose in me. I, you know, somebody will probably think less of me and that's, that's quite all right. I, if I'm going to boast like Paul, I'd rather boast in my weaknesses. I would look at, uh, I preached one summer, I preached like three youth camps and I saw all the videos and all this stuff. And I, I was on Instagram and I was seeing all the videos and I was like, man, that was a good video, man. And I would justify as like, well, that was some good editing. You know, truly, I'm thinking, well, that was a good point I made. You know, let's just be real. And then People... I stopped, and the Holy Ghost exposed it. Yeah. And the light went off, and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, the leaven. I've got leaven. And the Spirit pierced, and said, others can have social media, not you. And I said, okay. Wow. And it was it was pierced so that I wouldn't be puffed up. I want to micra unleavened bread. And what is giving up social media? When in heaven, you know, I, I know it's I'm words of affirmation. I, I like being around thousands of people. Being off of social media has been a hard thing for me because I love just being around and seeing what's going on. And it's it's been it's been difficult. But here's what I do. I look at that and I say, someday though, God's gonna bring me out in front of a myriad of angels and the entire world and say, enter thou in good and faithful servant. That's, that's the moment. What is, what is this? What is this giving up this leaven? What is this, this tasteless life in comparison to the wedding supper of the lamb? I, recently I'll, I'll say this. We've hit, you know, we've hit some awkward times recently. And I'm hesitant to say this. I just we've hit we've hit an awkward time, you know, just financial stuff and different little weird awkward things. Nothing nothing major. So I'm not no pity party. Please don't send me money because you feel sorry for me. That's not what this is about. But last night I was doing a class and the Holy Ghost immediately hit me with uh, what Paul said in Timothy. He talks about um, learning to just be content. And Paul goes and tells Timothy, he says, all of these riches, all of this financial stuff, it, it does nothing but puff up. Those are Paul's words. It puffs us up. He says, I've, I've learned to just be content with yeah. what I've got for godliness, for godly contentment, he says, is great gain. And I told my wife, I held myself accountable and I just looked at her and I said, Oh, babe, the spirit's piercing. It's pointing out that, you know, I need to stop complaining. I need to stop complaining about 
not having enough of this and if I had more of this, I need, I need to stop. I just need to stop and just be content. And this is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, if you have food, be content. Be content. And it was the Spirit gave me that scripture, and I went and read it, and it pierced my soul. And it offended me, and it hurt me because I realized I'm selfish. <laughs> I, am, I am eat up. With selfishness. Yeah. And it it pierced me and it, it exposed in me something that I would never see. Right. I knew this was gonna happen. Yeah. But but this what it was going through my mind right now too is is what this podcast, this episode is gonna help and is helping me is is that if you're if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, then please direct message us, send us a message, and we get you connected. We'll pray for you because we believe that everyone should receive the Holy Ghost. But people that are that have the Holy Ghost and they feel this unction, this check in their spirit that says, "Man, I feel like I should not do whatever it is. I shouldn't be feeling this way." But they continue on with their life. Let's just use social media as an example. I had this in my spirit. I know I shouldn't be on social media, but I don't know why I'm prom I don't know why I'm thinking that in my head. I don't know why that's being prompted in my spirit. Well, what 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 you're doing right now is helping me and helping our listeners is to confirm these things, these checks in our spirit is is the Holy Ghost exposing darkness in our lives. And if we're aware of scripture, if we're aware of what is actually going on in the spiritual world, then it's not just you and your conscious thinking of things. Stop, pray, and say, you know what? This is probably, probably leaven in my life, and I'm not just thinking of this and trying to be hard on myself and be, and trying to trying to live a harder life than everybody else. No, 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 no. Be careful, because it's probably a check in your spirit. The Holy Ghost is is bringing darkness and shining a light on darkness. That if you keep going down this road, it's go, it's going to hurt you. Don't be content with the house or the job that you have. Be content. This is the day that the Lord has made. You have breath in your lungs. You're in good health. Whatever it might be, be satisfied with that, and and and, and understand when the Holy Ghost is is prompting you, man. Or if you're thinking of something, man, I should I should fast this. I should get away from this. Be careful. Check yourself because it's probably the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, checking you and shining some light on some darkness in you. So so what you were just navigating through is that I'm just thinking of things like man. There's some things that I've been thinking in my head I need to get rid of. And now it's like, okay, I need to pause, pray about it, and be like, you know what? Yeah, this is the Holy Ghost exposing some things. So uh, I thank you for being, being vulnerable and in, in talking about your, your some of your weaknesses and how the Holy Ghost, but even just how leaven is 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 the world and how, how we got to be careful we got to be careful because what is it what is what does riches really matter in the big scheme of things if we make it to heaven what is social media what is what is our hobbies are it's cutting season and i know the hunters are might throw tomatoes at me but is hunting on sunday that important than going to church and having a crawl moment with your with your with your church family is is that family vacation you know i i hey I love vacations. I, I'm all for it. I always make sure me and my family have a good vacation every year. I, I'm for that. But is there some addiction, some things in your life that maybe is not technically sin, 
that is still bringing you away from reaching closeness and building a relationship with God. So this is this this podcast this episode is amazing and you have hel- you're helping me so much. I know you could help plenty of listeners. You know, I to anyone who's listening that's ever been, you know, frustrated at, you know, hurt by the church, I I understand it. I I get it because the church was, you know, teaching the concepts and I don't know your context. It may have been manipulated, it may have been pushed, it may have been, you know, pushed too hard and whatever it may have been. I don't know. But the concept of teaching a separation from is a very beautiful and biblical concept. And the Spirit goes into our lives and it's exposing all these things. And like like Levi said, is don't quench that. When, it, when it's speaking to you, listen to it and say, oh, that hurts. It's, a, it's supposed to. The... The bread, when it's being rolled by that, that piercing device, it's keeping it from being puffed up. While Levi, was, man, thank you for saying all that. I, I am confident you were just now being led by the Holy Ghost and was helping somebody. I could feel a ministering spirit on you. I, I found this scripture um, that I'm referencing. It's 1 Timothy 6. Um, I'm going to look at verse 3. Um, no, let's look at verse 6. I don't know if you want to pull that up. I don't know if you have time to pull that up. First Timothy chapter six, verse six. Okay. I'm going to read a few verses. Yeah, let's pull that up. Six, verse six. I want to make sure, and this is my big thing is I always want to back up what I'm saying with scripture because the Bible can defend itself. I don't want to manipulate and, you know, hit on these things unless I can prove it scripturally. Let's look at a few verses, if that's possible. It says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of many is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I direct you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who testified the good confession before, and notice what he does, before Pontius Pilate. He brings it all the way back to Passover week. You know, it's, there's one more passage. It's in Ephesians. Paul tells uh, those in Ephesus. He says, your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust." He's speaking of a leaven that if we don't remove this leaven, you think that it's just going to be okay to just keep a little, a little bit, a little, just an, a speck of leaven in the bread's all right. It spreads through the whole lump. It, it transforms the entire lump. The only counter is the piercing of the lump. When Jesus told us to take up our cross and follow him, 
it would only be a matter of of time before we realize the full implications of that if we're going to be like him we have to be unleavened as well so that means his spirit comes in it exposes the leaven and here's the reality the leaven that he points out may not be on your list of sins right it may be something that is so innocent you know obviously money's not sinful the love of it is the root of evil so I'm gonna whatever you you feel I just I think that we need to sit with that we need to micra that we need to practice that this was not supposed to stop this was a convocation this was a rehearsal micra is a rehearsal so if we're gonna be Christ followers we have to rehearse unleavened bread we have to allow the spirit to come and to begin to press and to beat flat our motives and to pierce our motives and then to expose the leaven in us. And as the leader of the household would do in the ancient um, Jewish society, he would say, forgive us if there's any leaven in the house that we have not found. That should be our prayer. Forgive us, Father, if there's any leaven in me that I haven't seen yet. And so go pray. Let this be a new prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our matzah. Our matzah. <laughs> Give us this day our unleavened bread. I want to eat it, and I want to be reminded every day. It might be bland. It might not taste as good. It may not be as fun. But what is bread? What is what is taking the leaven out in comparison to leaving bondage? Yeah. So what I want to do is I'm going to challenge myself and any listener that wants to challenge themselves as well. Um, join on. And, and But as you were talking at the very beginning to kind of recap, leaven, they would go in and they would search their house. They would clean their house for any leavened bread, right? right. Anything, any darkness. So there was, like you said at the very beginning, there was a baptism of their house. There was a cleansing, and they were trying to get rid of any distractions. They would distract them from remembering where they came from, right? right. Or how far they've come. So what in today's world, that's all we are filled with is distractions. In our homes, whatever it is, phones, whatever it is. So I'm going to challenge myself uh, to go home. I'm going to pray, uh, obviously, over this, what, we, what we've what we learned and, and what we have, and to, to, to ask God to cleanse my body, my temple, and then say, God, help me uh, bring light to any darkness that is hindering my hindering me from growing closer to you. And, 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 and don't ever let me forget my Passover day, my, my day that you, that you rescued me. I was baptized and filled with your spirit. And, and then cleanse my house too. Look and see if there's any distractions in my home. Is there anything that is unleavened or that is leavened that is keeping my home to be in a sacred place for for God to be in and for the Holy Ghost to live and dwell? So I'm going to challenge myself to do that. I, and hopefully every podcast you leave challenged, but I, I encourage you pray about this. Um, let's get rid of the distractions in our homes, in our bodies, in our mind, um, and let's take this lesson. And uh, let's 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 uh, become better out of this lesson. 
Yeah, and I will I will say this to tag on to that. Let the spirit speak it to you. Yeah. You know, don't just just do something for the sake of doing it. Let the spirit tell you. Uh, he'll tell you at the perfect timing. I made the mistake a few weeks ago. I said, God, reveal anything in me that's not like you. I want to be conformed to your image. And God started pointing out my impatience. He's pointing out my discontent. He's pointing all that out. And it's, it's hurt. I told my wife last night. I was tearing up and I just said, oh, man, this hurts. But what is what is that in comparison? It's a light affliction. So, yeah, just the Spirit will show it. And obey that. You'll feel it. It'll be a conviction. And you don't have to tell anybody about it. Yeah. You don't have to scream it from the rooftops. You don't even have to preach it in your next sermon, ministers. You can just go in, in your household. You can remove the leaven and just live that that lifestyle and just smile about it. Like some things I just I don't do. Yeah, there's some things that I just I just don't do. Yeah. Um wow. Wow. What a great lesson revelations that you've helped me so much through this uh episode. Um can you give us some insight really quick what we are going to be talking about in our next episode? Oh yes, the first fruits. Oh man, that's my favorite. One of my favorite studies. <laughs> Better than this one? Oh my word! The, the I don't know if I could take too much. Might take yeah, a lap around here. Yeah, we're gonna talk here. about that. Just a little teaser, a little trailer for the next movie. Jesus was the first fruits of many brethren. Trees were made on day three in the garden. Jesus resurrected on the third day. Did Jesus give us the tree of life back? So we're gonna leave it there. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Well, again, we thank you so much for, um, again, this past week, me and AJ heard some good feedback from people and people that have been tuning in. And and so we, we just want to uh, we want to hear from you. Leave comments and, uh, and, and and let us know what you think or, or if any questions that you have. If if you don't know much about the Holy Ghost, and you've stumbled upon this podcast. Please reach out. We'd love to talk to you about this and um, and help you out in any way that we can. If you would, do us a favor, comment, like, share, anything that you can do to get the word out for the McCraw podcast. Again, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in, and we look forward to being with you on the next one. AJ, let's, uh, let's hear your famous tagline here. Go read your Bibles. <laughs> <laughs>